I think it's also important to note that when we're talking about well-being, we're not talking about the elimination of all struggle. Um, life is full of ups and downs, highs and lows, as the quote by Felicia Hubert suggests. Um, and so it's about li- learning to cope with the struggles. And and actually, it is possible to thrive and you know have a sense of thriving, even though there are areas that you're struggling in. What can I say about kind of this this world of emotions? You know, our our, our emotions. Are, I often think our emotions are signals for us. Mm-hmm. That they're signals telling us the important things. So, um, the 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 signal of sadness when you're feeling an emotion like sadness is often that you've lost something or something's missing or gone. It's a really important signal for us. So welcome to episode 22. So maybe you're facing a big life change, you're moving to university, a year abroad, a work placement, or out into the world of work. Times of change like these can be both exciting and challenging. Our aim is to support you as you step up and find your new gear. We'll show you what it takes to thrive in times of change and transition. Using the latest from research in this field, we'll be suggesting ideas from evidence-based practice to help you enhance your well-being. Our mission, to help you settle well and thrive in this next stage of your life. So hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Successful Student Transitions podcast. I'm Louise Wiles and I'm excited to be here to tell you a little bit about the framework and tools for well-being that we're going to use as a foundation for our future sessions which we described in episode 21 which are all going to be about well-being and how you can develop your own personal recipe for developing your sense of well-being as you work through the change that you're you're working through right now whether that's a change to university a move to university um, a move to a year abroad move to a new job or uh, move through different years in in school and college. So I'm here together with Elizabeth and together today we're going to talk about, as I said, the foundations and a basic framework for thinking about well-being. So in our previous episode we talked about a definition for well-being and we defined well-being as the ability to feel good and the function effectively through the ups and downs of life. And that's a definition from Professor Felicia Hoopert. Okay, so when we when we talk about well-being, we're not talking just about physical health. And I just want to make that clear here because um, some of the conversations and content you'll see online relates to physical health and nutrition. Um, to well-being and of course that those are important parts of well-being but we're also thinking here about your social well-being your emotional well-being your cognitive well-being and also your spiritual well-being and when I say spiritual I don't just necessarily mean religious well-being um, that might be part of it might not be part of it that's an individual thing we're talking about the meaning you attribute to your life and um, a very broad sense there that fits to you and then of course also physical well-being so there are five elements there so i wanted to start with a broad question to you today to ask you to rate your level of well-being as you're sitting listening to us today 
So how do you rate your ability to feel good and function well today? So please answer this question and I want you to just choose one option. So I'm going to give you four suggestions and you just choose the one that springs or resonates most with you. Don't give it too much thought, just respond and say first, second, third, fourth. So the first one, if I ask the question, taking all things together, do you feel you are? First option, really struggling. Second option, on top of the world. Third, living well despite struggles. And four, not feeling terrible, just getting by. So write down your answer to that. I'll give them to you again. Number one, really struggling. Number two, on top of the world. Number three, living well despite struggles. And number four, not feeling terrible, just getting by. So I'll tell you what mine is today. I think I'm pretty much living well despite struggles. What about you, Elizabeth? I think I'm four today. <laughs> You're four, not feeling terrible, just getting by. I'm getting by. I'm kind of, um, we're recording this at the end, towards the end of one week. And, you know, I feel, I've noticed I've had a really busy week. So I'm glad it's Friday today for us. Um, so I'm a four. Okay. And the reason for asking those questions and the point to make also is that you know, this is not a definition or a, a sort of a um, decision you're making that reflects your well-being for life this is just in the moment how you're feeling right now and it will vary over time so if you were to do it next week after a great day then you might rate it differently I think the important thing to say about it though is if you've rated yourself as really struggling my question to you about that would be how long have you been feeling like this and what does that relate to so if there's been an event, something that has been, you know, had a negative impact on you, um, something sad that's perhaps happened or something that's gone wrong and it's making you feel like you're having to you know, really work hard to keep going, then, you know, it's probably something that is going to pass relatively quickly. And you, um, if you start to use some of the techniques that we're going to talk to over the coming weeks and months, uh, you'll be able to manage your well-being and enhance it. You'll be able to look after yourself. But if you feel you have been struggling for a long period of time, so weeks, and nothing has changed, and you just wake up every day thinking everything is a big struggle and I don't feel good, and you know you've tried some things and they haven't worked, and perhaps this does relate to a traumatic event, something sad that's happened to you in your life, and, and you're really not coping, then we would really recommend that at this point you seek some professional help and so I want to underline this we did underline it in yesterday and in, in the first episode but I really want to underline that again today um, do not continue to struggle alone there are people out there who can help you your first protocol is probably your GP if you're at university go to the well-being services to your GP speak to your friends your family um, choose somebody uh, to confide in and, and start the process of talking to people and searching for some support this programme will hopefully be helpful as well, but perhaps in combination with some professional support. I don't know if you've got anything else you want to add to that, Elizabeth. No, I think that that's a, that's a really important thing to say, um, <clears throat> Louise, and, and also relates back to a previous podcast, I can't remember off the top of my head, about asking for help. Yeah. 
what a skill that is and and knowing you know the timing for you and how to do it and where to go um it's one of the common things when people if we're talking just particularly about going off to university they often don't know where to go and ask for help or who to ask so in those early stages of of that transition maybe it's an important thing to think oh if I do need help this is where I'd need to go so it's a great skill to have um, and shouldn't be necessarily viewed as a weakness. Okay. Okay. And I think it's also important to note that when we're talking about well-being, we're not talking about the elimination of all struggle. Um, life is full of ups and downs, highs and lows, as the quote by Felicia Hubert suggests. Um, and so it's about li- learning to cope with the struggles and and actually it is possible to thrive and you know, have a sense of thriving, even though there are areas that you're struggling in. And that's the third option, which was living well despite struggles. Um, so, you know, I, I, when I sit here thinking about this, yes, I've got things that are worrying me and things that I, you know, not feeling brilliant about, but actually overall, I would say I'm, I'm living well. And research has shown that people, you know, struggle is part of life, yes. And learning to recognise when that struggle is, is happening is a really important part of caring for your well-being um, and then knowing what you can do to sort of cope with that is, is the next step and so that's having well-being strategies that you know you can you know your playbook if you like of well-being strategies that you can apply to your life your own recipe it's not going to be the same for everybody but you know for what, I'll give you one example for me sleep I had a bad night's sleep last night. I know why I did. Um, I went to bed far too late. I had a glass of wine that I really should not have had. And it affects my sleep every time. And I do not learn. <laughs> um, so I woke up halfway through the night, couldn't get back to sleep. So sleep for me is a fundamental. Um, it's different for everybody. But for me, sleep is really important. And I know how I disrupt my sleep. And that has an impact on how I feel. Now, I could choose today to feel really negative about life because I'm not feeling brilliant, not feeling tip top at all. But I also know what I did to contribute to that. So I kind of have to sort of rationalize that in my mind and recognize I am to, I contributed to that. So I have to live through it. Um, so you'll know things like that about yourself. And it's about being honest and noticing, well, noticing those things first and then being honest with yourself about them too. So really important to recognise that struggle is part of life and part of your well-being and that what we're doing in this course is helping you to identify the ways in which you can enhance your well-being. I call them that, that, that's your way power, the power that you have to find the way to enhance your well-being. You also need the willpower. So you need also to recognise that it's not an easy thing necessarily, that you need to make the choice, a decision to make changes and then create new habits so at some point we will talk about habits we're not going to do that right now but it takes time to change habits so recognizing that being gentle on yourself about that as well important um so moving on to the subject of today is we're going to talk about a framework for well-being um now this comes from who I call the father of positive psychology, a guy called Martin Seligman, you might have heard of him. And positive psychology has been developed in the latter part of the 20th century. And it looks at the psychology of well-being rather than the psychology of disease, which a lot of psychology had 
you know, was about up until that point. Now, the two coexist and they have both have an important role to play in our health and well-being. So not negating at all clinical psychology and the support for um, pathology, if you like, of well-being. So anxiety, depression and all those kinds of um, health challenges. Um, but here we're going to be talking about Martin Seligman and positive psychology's look at what it takes to sort of enhance ourselves from that kind of um, midpoint, you know, where we're feeling, mm, but not feeling brilliant. You know, how can we move ourselves to a higher level of well-being? So Martin Seligman um, developed this well-being theory and his well-being theory is based on PERMA, which is an acronym, acronym of five um, elements of his well-being theory. So I'm going to introduce you to those here. And then throughout the next future sessions, we'll refer back to them. And I encourage you to think about them as the real foundations for well-being. And research has shown that there is significant correlate, positive correlations between this PERMA framework and PERMA components and physical health, vitality, job and life satisfaction. So plenty of reasons for thinking about it and applying it to your life. So the first element is a P and it stands for positive emotions. So we all experience a range of positive emotions through our daily lives. Some are positive emotions such as joy, hope, interest, love, compassion, pride, amusement and gratitude. And it has been shown through research, Barbara Fredrickson is the person who's done a lot of research on this, that the higher our ratio of positive emotions to negative, a higher chance we will have of having a higher level of well-being. So people with high levels of well-being demonstrate a higher percentage of positive emotions to negative emotions, and that we can cultivate and learn to improve those positive emotions. But it's really important to note that we all have negative emotions as well. And we're not saying in any way that you need to cancel those, ignore them. Absolutely not. In fact, it's really important that we do acknowledge our negative emotions. And I think it is a bit of a function of modern life, adult modern life, actually, probably in the Western world particularly, we're brought up to not express our emotions particularly. And I you know I was just thinking about whenever you, people ask me, how are you today? You know, I'll just go, oh, yeah, fine. There's a whole story behind that fine. <laughs> um, but I very rarely share it with people. And I think that's because, okay, yeah, who wants to hear my life story? And I answer to a very short question. But also we, we just have a tendency not to share those negative emotions. And the problem with that is if we suppress our negative emotions over a long time, it can have significant impacts on our, on our mental health. So it's important to acknowledge our negative emotions as well. And the other reason for acknowledging them is when we acknowledge them, so I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling sad, or as I said, you know, I'm feeling a bit doubt, you know, not brilliant today because I went to bed too late. We then have a choice to make about how we handle that emotion. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm feeling a bit frustrated and annoyed with myself, but yeah, I know the reason why. So Louise, you're gonna get on with the day and stop, <laughs> not let it ruin things. 
Um, you know, if you're angry, why are you angry? Taking time to reflect on that anger and make a choice about how to handle it and move forward. So it doesn't color and affect your entire day and the outcome. So really important. We're not whitewashing negative emotions by talking about positive. And I just want to really emphasize that. But the important thing about positive emotions is that we can create opportunities to develop them and to experience them. So um, one of the things I regularly do is go for a walk with my dog or I go to the gym. I love exercise and I know that always has a very positive effect on my how I feel about the day and, and my emotions. So looking for opportunities and it will be different for everyone to enhance their emotions, looking for an opportunity to laugh, to experience joy, to connect with others, to show interest in others and in perhaps the work we're doing. Um, so as you listen and think about how you're feeling from an emotional perspective today, my question to you is, you know, what positive emotions have you felt so far today? What positive emotions or what events or things could you do today that would enhance those positive emotions or create a, a positive emotion in, in yourself? Um, so look for opportunities in your daily life to build those. And one area is gratitude. There's been a lot of research into gratitude. You've probably already heard all of this, but you know, expressing gratitude can have a very positive effect on emotions. And there's lots of evidence, research-based evidence to back that up. A simple thing you can do each day is to write down at the end of the day, five things you're grateful for. It doesn't have to be massive things. It could just be, I'm grateful for that lovely cup of tea I had at four o'clock or whatever, or that nice drink I had with a friend this evening. Writing those down and just acknowledging them can have a really beneficial effect over time in terms of our sense of our feelings, our positive emotions. Elizabeth, what do you think? How, do you, how does that all resonate with you? Very well. <laughs> you know, I, uh, what can I say about kind of this, this world of emotions? You know, our, our, our emotions, are, I often think our emotions are signals for us. Mm-hmm. That they're signals telling us the important things. So um, the, the, the signal of sadness when you're feeling an emotion like sadness is often that you've lost something or something's missing or gone. And it's a really important signal for us. Or the signal of anger is usually about um, something unjust has happened, something's, you know, um, unfair. Um, it's um, it's really important. And, you know, like, um, you know, the pleasant, you know, emotion of happiness is telling you, or joy is telling you, I have to do this again. This was really good fun. So I think I kind of try and view them as a, as a signal to say, oh, well, what's what's this emotion about? And what choices can I have have about it? So, so going into pleasant and unpleasant emotions, we're thinking about, um, you know, what, what's the meaning in this for me, and what, what can I do about it? And and to look at both of them equally in that way. So they're they're both they're all signals. They're all signals for our survival, really. That's why we've got emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very proud. Don't, don't ignore them. Lean into yeah. them. Yeah, and I think particularly at times of change, like you know, we're we're situating all of this within this 
issue or this question about how how best to thrive through change and then this one being that transition that you're personally going through you know, there will always be um this um oscillation if you like between you know feeling excited about this new opportunity but also feeling a bit perhaps worried um unsure uncertain overwhelmed at times and so recognizing that that is absolutely normal um and and acknowledging that you're experiencing that is is, is good yeah and and people often talk about their emotions can sometimes compete against each other so they can be you can have that if if you're going to somewhere new a job or university you can be really excited about it and anxious at the same time so we very rarely have single emotions they usually come in a, a bunch so and you know you might be thinking it can be it could be confusing how come I'm excited and nervous about this or how come I'm worried but also looking forward to something so some of our emotions can be quite confusing for us mm-hmm. yeah absolutely great and so sort of the key thing there then is to in relation to well-being think about opportunities to enhance those positive emotions and build on those So moving on to the E in PERMA, engagement. So this is all about how you sort of engage in activities and the focus that you might have for an activity that ultimately, hopefully, if there's the meaning and sort of the interest in it, becomes the state of flow that you perhaps have heard people talk about before. You know, flow is when we lose a sense of time. We're so involved in what we're doing. We lose our sense of subconscious. You know, we're not conscious um, and self-conscious at that point. We, we just get totally absorbed in what we're doing and focused on, on the outcome of the task in hand. And it can lead to our best work. Um, we're living in the moment, so it's very mindful in that sense, very present, focused. And we tend to draw on and utilize our strengths. So if we were to step back and think about what we were doing in that moment, we probably noticed that we are doing things that others would say were our strengths, but that we realize are our strengths too, because we enjoy what we're doing. We feel comfortable. We know that we're doing our best work, which are all good indicators that we're using our strengths. So my question to you is, you know, when are you really engaged in what you're doing? And I'm not just talking about academic work here or work in your organisation if you're working for a company. I'm also talking about sports. I'm talking about when you're at your best with your friends and and feeling most comfortable where you lose all sense of time. Now, what are those activities that generate that in you and that level of engagement? Because when we are engaged in this way, we, you know, we we are performing at our best um, and it's, it's, it's just a great feeling to have and obviously one that contributes to our sense of well-being. Anything to add to that, Elizabeth? I think it's something that you and I have talked about is that when we're engaged in something, that's when motivation comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people think, oh, well, I'll wait till I'm motivated to do something. But when you get involved in something, and you're, you know, you're in that flow of it, and you're, you're really kind of deeply invested in things, and you lose the whole sense of time. 
then then that's when people feel motivation. Yeah. You know. So um yeah. I think with it within the more you engage in things, the more you'll feel motivated. Yeah. So it's kind of this this circle, isn't it, of yeah, interest, yeah, leads to engagement, motivation, and so on round and round. And um yeah, I'll come on to talk about sort of perseverance and all of that in the A in Parma. So we'll move on. So the next element of Parma is relationships. So I think one thing that came out of the pandemic, if I dare mention that word again, <laughs> it really emphasised for us all the importance of connection and you know, positive relationships and belonging and being part of communities. And you know, relationships include you know, the concept of relationship in this respect. We're talking about relationships with friends, with partners, with families, colleagues, bosses, communities. So sort of at every level, every opportunity there is to make that connection. We're social beings, and so we, you know, we need that connection um, to to survive, really. And there's a lot of research around that, which we won't go into now, but we will do in in future weeks. You know, we all want to feel loved. We want to be valued and supported by others. So it's looking for opportunities to demonstrate that love and support to others, but then also hopefully getting that reciprocated and feeling that love and support from others yourself. Social connections contribute to better psychological and physical well-being. There's loads of evidence there. And obviously when you're making a big life change as you are making right now, your relationships, some of them perhaps are changing because you have moved away from people that you love and you've had long connections with. And you're developing new ones and new friendships don't happen overnight. They take time. So in a way, it's recognising the importance of relationships. But for right now, giving yourself the grace to, to, to know that it's going to take a little while to develop those new relationships. But it's worth the effort. It really is. And, and putting it in the effort. Now, we have a whole episode already on relationships. So you might want to go look back and look at that. Um, we episodes one to ten cover quite a lot of this content so go back and have a look there I can't remember which episode relationships is but I'll put it at the end in the summary anything to add on on relationships Elizabeth when we talked about before and I think it's a good idea to go back and listen to especially when we're talking about the transition cycle when you go from settled having your relationships and friendships to like having to make them all over again um, sometimes people forget how to do it. So, and we're going to talk about that when the when the uh, relationship bit comes up in this in this sort of series. So, it's all, almost like just reminding people of skills that they have, or sometimes developing different skills of making different relationships at different times of their lives. Mm-hmm. So I have one um, suggestion for you as just to bring relationships to a close as you're in a new situation. And that is to ask, what opportunities are you creating for yourself to, to start and begin to create new relationships? So have a think about that. OK, so the next element of PERMA is M. So we've done P-E-R and we're now on M, which stands for meaning and feeling that we matter. So what matters to you and why? Having a sense of meaning and purpose in life 
is important because it provides that internal intrinsic motivation for doing things. It's kind of our why. So this change that you've just made to wherever you are now, university, new job, whatever, what is your why behind that? You know, why, why are you doing it? Why does it matter to you? Have a little think about that. And you can go as deep as you like with this. Um, and just as a thought around university, it's not just about why you're doing a course. <laughs> I mean, why you're doing a course is important, but there are other reasons for going to university as well. So think broadly about that and um, come up with some thoughts about why it's all important to you and why it matters to you. And once again, understanding our meaning and what, me what matters to us is really positive for impacts on our health and our level of life satisfaction and therefore our well-being. Research has indicated and shown that. And also, when we think about our meaning, we're also thinking about why things are important. We're thinking also about the values, what's important to us in life. So take time to ask yourself that question. What really matters to me? And you might break it down into different areas of your life. For example, we just talked about relationships. So you're developing new relationships. So why are relationships important to you? And what do you need to have in relationships for them to be meaningful for you? Um, we all have different answers to that. So have a think about that and how that relates to you. And then on a more practical note level, when you're doing your sort of daily tasks, perhaps you have an essay to do or you're working and you have a report to write. Before you even get into the, 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 the okay, obviously you've been asked to do it by somebody, either by your course or by your boss. But that often isn't enough of a motivation, a motivator in itself. So take some time to think about why it's important to you to do this and do it to a certain level. What interests you and why it matters to you. And that will help you then to develop your intrinsic motivation around getting that task done. Elizabeth, anything you would like to add to, to meaning? You know, I, I think it, I, I agree with you. I think it's really important to know <clears throat> the stuff that's in, that matters to us, that's important to us. And to know that whatever is really important to you, that's the thing that's going to bring you challenges. <laughs> so those two things to come together. And sometimes people call it the double-sided coin. You know, it's one coin and on one side, it's the stuff that's important and matters to you. And on the other side, it's the challenge that it, that brings. So, and if we talk, if we use the thing that we are talking about, about relationships, for instance, you know, if, What's really important to you is you have a really good group of friends, people you can rely on and um, people that rely on you and that nice reciprocal relationship. But if there's any issues in your friendships, that's going to be the biggest challenge to you, you know, not if you can't get your shopping done or something. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, be ready for those two things coming together, what matters and you know, on one side of the coin, it's the good stuff. On the other side, it's the challenging stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Yeah, really good point. Okay, so finally, the A in PERMA stands for accomplishment. So this is all about achievement, mastery and competence. And I think the big thing to underline about accomplishment is that it takes time to accomplish things. I think often we, the day and age that we live in, we 
expect things to happen overnight. We expect things to be quick often and not take huge amounts of effort. And that's just not the case. You know, as Elizabeth has just said, in relation to meaning you know, the other side is challenge. And in relation to accomplishments, there's a great book written by Angela Duckworth, which is all about what she calls grit. But she says, you know, in achieving anything of meaning to us, there are two sides. There's the passion, which comes from the interest and um, the meaning that something holds for us. But then on the other side is the perseverance it takes to then achieve what we want to achieve in relation to something that is so meaningful for us. So in relation to university and a degree, you know, we all know it's going to take three years of hard work. It's a long haul in that respect. So accomplishment's not going to be overnight. So the long-term end, if you like, is a long way away. But having said that, you're going to accomplish a lot along the way. And so that brings me to the other point about accomplishment, and that is recognising our accomplishments regularly. They're not leaving it to the end of that one goal and saying, I haven't achieved anything until I get there. It's about every day recognising the small little steps you've taken to get you towards that goal. Um, so related also to this, an accomplishment is, is goals and sort of having a dream and aspiration about something that you want to achieve and a goal for that and then you know the pathway to achieving that and how you work through that recognizing there will be obstacles challenges along the way that you will need to work around over through um, to reach the, the end it's not all easy but that's what makes the sense of accomplishment so great once you get there as well so the pathway it's hopefully enjoyable and that's I think the really important thing too um, if it's not then there's time some questions you need to be asking some questions so I'd finish by saying in relation to accomplishment you know what are your longer term goals for what you're doing um, what's the motivation your reason for wanting to achieve those that's meaning and then how are you recognizing your progress along the way yeah. one way of doing this is the gratitude, which we talked about earlier at the end of the day, writing down you know, three or five things that you're grateful for. You could also add to that list three or five, five things that you've achieved in the day. And they don't have to be great things like, you know, uh, handing in a assi an assignment. It can be the smaller steps towards achieving that assignment that you write down as an achievement or the fact that you went to the gym or the fact that you met a friend and had a nice time with them, went for a walk. Now, anything that is contributing that you see as positive contributing to your well-being is an accomplishment in relation to well-being. So I think that's all I wanted to say on accomplishment. Have I missed anything there, do you think? No. no. I mean, I, I think you're right. You know, part of the answer is baby steps. Yes. You yeah. know, <laughs> I, I'm somebody that likes kind of writing myself lists and ticking them off or if I've got a project to do or something, I don't just write end the finish the project. I'll do like do my reading or, you know, make a draft or kind of write the end paragraph or something. So I'll, I'll break it. I'll kind of chunk it down mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that it's not one big goal. It's yeah. more kind of doable, manageable things. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Great. I think that's a brilliant way of doing it. Okay, so PARMA, whilst each of the pillars of this framework are individual, as we've talked about, 
they will also interconnect. So, for example, you know, I was just talking about there the achievement of a meaningful goal. So the goal, you know, we've talked about meaning within relation to the goal and creating meaning. And you achieve that through engagement of your strengths. So the engagement pillar and focus, you know, which has hopefully led to a state of flow at some point, which has helped with the achievement and accomplishment. And that whole sort of accomplishment and feeling good about stuff and enhances your positive emotions. So there is sort of a dynamic relationship between each of these pillars. They will feed and contribute to each other. So we're gonna come back to this. We're gonna say that PERMA is this kind of foundation, if you like, for all that we're talking about in the coming weeks. And so we'll come back, perhaps not every week, but quite frequently to say, well, how can we relate PERMA to what we're talking about today? And how can you use it to help you think through the content of each session and how it might relate and benefit your well-being. So that's all for today. Thank you very much for listening. So thank you so much for listening. Here are a few references if you're interested in discovering more about PERMA and the work of Professor Martin Selgman and Dr. Michelle McQuaven colleagues. You can learn more about Professor Martin Selgman's work at his website, pursuit-of-happiness.org, or read Flourish, A New Understanding of Happiness and Wellbeing, The Practical Guide to Using Positive Psychology to Make You Happier. And that's where he talks about the model PERMA. You can learn more about the PERMA assessment at www.permasurvey.com or email me, Louise, at louisewiles.com. You can learn more about the work from Dr. Michelle McQuaid at michellemcquaid.com. So that's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-C-Q-U-A-I-D.com. Now we'll be back next week with episode 23 when we'll be talking about the wellbeing buckets and asking how full are our wellbeing buckets right now. Meanwhile, we wish you a great week.